Production designer Michael Wiley is one of the most riveting visionaries working in film and TV today. Early on in his career, Wiley worked alongside Oscar-nominated production designer Bo Welch on Men in Black 2. Today, Wiley's fingerprints can be seen on such TV shows as Pushing Daisies, Californication, Grimm, Agent Carter, and this season, FX's mutant superhero series Legion, which is based on the Marvel X-Men spinoff comic book. Legion tells the story of David Holler, portrayed by Dan Stevens. He's diagnosed as a schizophrenic, or is he? After falling in love with a new patient, Sid, portrayed by Rachel Keller, David becomes more aware of a power he's possessed since childhood. You see, he's something of an atomic bomb when he gets mad. Ruling authorities are after him, and Sid leads David to a safe haven with other similarly gifted adults. We'll jump right into it. Um, so here's here's my what I love about your design on the show is um, when it's vi- it's vintage meets modern, and when it's vintage, oh, it's so rich, like the, Sid Sid and David's safe place. Where they could, uh, where they could be in love. It's like the white room. The white room, yes. very, very nineteen seventies, and then, and then you have something like a mere hallway that would be, you know, the most futuristic hallway you you could ever see. Could you let's talk about balancing the the vintage with modern? First of all, thanks for the great intro, and uh, you should follow me everywhere because I want to be introduced like that all the time. <laughs> Um, the, the ideas were for the show was, f- first and foremost, to make sure that no one ever had any kind of touchstone to where they were or what they were seeing. For example, you know, oh, oh I recognize that from, you know, I recognize that room from, you know. we wanted to make sure that, that the audience always felt what David was feeling, which is, is any of this real? Like, none of this makes sense to me. I don't, I don't know what I'm seeing. Um, and we didn't want to go too far, so it's very subtle. But the 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 whole gag of the show was let's keep people on their back foot visually, and through the you know obviously more than anything through the story. But um, uh, but that was the that was the general kind of over overreaching idea was that we didn't want anybody to feel that they had been in that space before. Now, given that this is a spinoff of X-Men, was... Is it? Well, he is. <laughs> yeah. He's technically Dr. X's uh, son. That's right. Uh, Xavier, uh, di- uh, Dr. Xavier's son. But here's the thing. Were the... Were you beholden to the comic books? Did they, were they, did they serve as a template in any way? Or even the previous um, X-Men movies? No. And uh, uh, I was super excited to get even just the interview for this job. And one of the things that we uh, that I remember specifically saying is, I'm not going to look at, a, at any of the comic books. I don't want to know what the story is. And Noah Hawley said, don't you know? Don't read anything about this because we're going to depart hugely from whatever the story is. So I feel just as a designer, and you know, I I don't want to look at anybody else's work if it's a comic book thing. I don't want to know. I don't want to be influenced by. I might find a very cool page that has, you know, David Haller, like, every, and uh, all hell breaking loose. And, um, but that's going to seep into my 
that's going to seep into how I would draw something or design something or even subconsciously tell somebody, oh, wouldn't it be cool if it looked like that? And then draw on that image that those guys drew, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, I don't think it's fair. So that's why I don't look. Um, but Noah Hawley really did say don't, uh, don't get too involved in that X-Men story yet because we're going to tell a really interesting tale of how he got to today, um, which may or may not be in the comic books. I don't know because I haven't read them. So what was one of the first sets you started working on? Uh, for, we started working on the mental hospital uh, right right away, and we shot the show in Vancouver. And um, for some reason in Vancouver, they're right outside of town, there's this beautiful bucolic park with these amazing roads that go up and down hills, and it's very beautiful. And on top of this hill, there are six completely deserted mental hospitals, starting from the early 1900s all the way through like the 70s. You've got the his history of architecture, but most more specifically, you have the history of psychiatric hospital architecture. And we went in and looked at every one of those buildings and... Uh, did not want to do, you know, if you think of a, a really great idea for a mental hospital, my head goes directly to if one flew over the cuckoo's nest or in a really, on a really good day goes right to 12 monkeys, right? You want, you want that. Oh, and also the one in Bram Stoker's Dracula. But then you, um, uh, but I, we didn't want that. So the first thing we really started working on was the Clockworks Mental Hospital and how that would how that would feel different and how that would sort of set a tone for our show and that's where you get a lot of that '70s feeling in there that was never really ever discussed. And then we no no one ever said, "Hey, let's do this weird '70s retro kind of feel thing." Um, but that's kind of where that's kind of where we ended up. Now it's a circle. So if you could expound on that. I mean, it makes sense, yes. Everything is in, goes to the center. That's where they get their pills and everything. But they're... It, it, okay, if you're going to talk about, like, production design theory, right? Um, the, the, the academic definition of what I do is I'm supposed to take stories and, and, and somehow give them... A backstory and give them life and and I'm supposed to tell I'm supposed to help to tell the story and that includes or that precludes any you're not supposed to be able to tell who designed things you like you none of my personal aesthetic is supposed to go into the storytelling of you know agent Carter or you know the tick or or something I'm not, I'm supposed to stay the hell out of it but I don't, and what I do on every show, and you could you can go through and look, but everything I do has circles in it. And I don't know why, I just love them. And uh, I have these, you know, cockamamie theories that, you know, it looks more custom and it looks like something that you can't just buy at the Home Depot uh, or something like that, but I just really love the way that it looks. So. I put circles and everything. I can't help myself, and I'll say, "All right, you guys, this time no circles." And two weeks into the stupid show, there'll be you know an entirely circular set. But ironically, X's and O's are not to be not not to play a pun on the the song, but the X's and O's are are part of the motif in this sh this sh 
in the show. Yes, and th there's a you know the 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 theoretical ideas of circular themes is you know the the circle of life and 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 you know coming full circle on an idea or you know um, but I, it's it. I wish I could be deeper, but it's just. I just like them. So David's sister, when she comes to meet him in the first episode, what an interesting room. It looks like uh, they're at the United Nations of some sort. There's all these uh, foreign greetings on the wall. Can you, can you tell us more about that? Just very interesting. Not something you normally equate with any kind of because we're still trying to figure it out. Is this a prison? Is this a mental hospital? But still, you don't equate that with either It's either a really venue. sort of very quick kind of visual nod to, um, in the sound design of the show, you hear a lot of whispers, and you hear voices all the time, and you hear, and it, it was just meant to be, you know, as you look around the room, uh, it says welcome in, I think, 25 different languages. And it's just, it's just another voice in his head and it's it's just another thing for us to look at and go like hang on a second like why is why is welcome written in farsi on the um you know behind right behind his head um it's it's vo it's voices in his head now tell me a little bit and we're not sorry but we're not supposed to know if he's actually in we're actually not even supposed to know if he's actually really in a mental institution or not so it could just be a dreamscape that was, you know, drawn by somebody. Tell me a little bit about working with costumes because they have their what they're wearing initially. To to me is the the nod to X Men, even though they're all mental hospital jumpsuits, the orange suits, the black stripes. The, the kind of multicolored jackets uh, is a nod to what we've seen in the X-Men universe. Now, granted, that's all costumes. I'm just, I'm just kind of, um, what I'm wondering is, how do you work with that color aesthetic with, with costumes? Is it something that all of you agree on? Okay, yes. these are the colors we're using? Yes, uh, for, specifically for the um, um, Clockworks Mental Hospital outfits. You know, Noah wanted a uh, he wanted a tracksuit, so Carol Case went out and bought and bought one of every tracksuit that you could get in British Columbia and probably Washington State. And none of them were good. When none, none of them sort of gave the feeling that um, so she made all of those. And then the undershirts are there was a there was a theory that uh, depending on how dangerous you were. You, uh, so the prison guards can tell how to treat you. You wear a yellow shirt, a red shirt, or a white shirt. And red is the most dangerous, yellow is in the middle, and white means you're almost ready to get out. So that's how they end up in, and you'll see it in the rooms, the, there's little things that are either red, yellow, or white. Um, and that's how all that kind of, that's just a little bit of design stuff that ha that we talk about in the office that, may or may not make a difference but it 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 does subconsciously make a difference 
This episode is brought to you by HBO's original drama series, Westworld. Westworld is a dark odyssey about the dawn of artificial consciousness and the evolution of sin. Set at the intersection of the near future and the reimagined past, it explores a world in which every human appetite, no matter how noble or depraved, can be indulged. For your Emmy, consideration in outstanding drama series and all other categories. Now, the scene where he... The iconic scene, and we see this again and again, where he freaks out in the kitchen and the whole, you know, and just forks and knives and everything and plates go flying. Yes. Obviously a a VFX. No, sir. No. Tell us more. Um, That set was built, uh, that kitchen set was built specifically for that shot. That entire apartment set was designed specifically for that shot. All the doors are... Not twice as wide, but like a lot wider than a regular door, much, much taller, so that they could put a circular track from room to room and just do a big round dolly shot around around different rooms. And those uh, special effects guys rigged hundreds of air cannons onto that kitchen, and they did it. They did two takes, and all of that stuff coming out of blowing out of the drawers and the cupboards and from everywhere. That's all absolutely real and in camera. And then when it starts to swirl around him, they shot visual effects. Shot a took one took a frame of each thing that set deck put into the air cannons, and they animated them so that those spin around the room. But the initial drawers and cupboards and everything opening and the stuff flying out is all in camera. It's real. Now. You know, with with these shows such as Westworld, Legion, Mr. Robot, Easter eggs, you know, we live in an Easter egg society. Right. Are you privy to those Easter eggs or like as the creator asks for something? How is that? How does that conversation go down? Are you aware of them that, you know, or is it just kind of like, here, let's just throw let's throw a tarp over that light. And that's a greater meaning to something. But do you, are you aware of that? Or are you in on this? Well, I ask at the beginning, because Agent Carter was a Marvel TV show, and I was sort of already kind of involved with the Marvel Cinematic Universe guys, I sent them a little email that said, are we doing X-Men Easter eggs on this show? Like, or are we doing any Marvel Easter eggs? Are we, you know, can I have a moving van that goes by that says you know, um, Stark Industries or, you know, or, or anything like that. And the reason it was, there was a resounding no to any, any Marvel, you know, branding or Easter egging or anything like that. And then the other, you know, anything else that gives clues to what happens later in the show are for sure in the script. And Noah would say, all right, so you're going to, you know, whatever the thing was, you're going to see that in episode seven. Just trust me; it's um, it needs to be cool because it's coming back. So yeah, so they I I do get to know, but I don't know everything. Now, um, Melanie's uh, Melanie's house, where 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 the where the team resides. Yes, is that a Frank Lloyd Wright house? No, that was a uh, the the all the interiors of that were built on stage, and the exterior was a. Um, uh, was a government-run um, 
you, uh, students go up there to learn about conservation and ecology, and it's sort of a day camp, um, and it's a it's a um, uh, completely self-sustaining building that meets ever the highest standards of all the kind of um, um, uh, ecological. You know, uh, it's a lead platinum building, and um, but it actually exists out in the forest. And it's up by Whistler. It's up by the you know Olympic Ski Village, and it's that's all out, that's all there. Um, and then we built all the interiors on the stage. Now, uh, did you have to tear everything down, or is stuff still standing for season two? Well, since uh, we're we're shooting season two in Los Angeles and not in Vancouver, um, and we're telling a little bit of a different story this year, we're gonna. Um, we're going to talk about the enemy that everyone can actually see and not the enemy that's inside of David Haller. We're going um, at the very end of the season. Um, uh, the two characters are in the car driving down the road and uh, they say, where do you want to go? And it says somewhere warm. So we're, we're going to be in a different we're going to be in a different place this year than we were last year, literally and figuratively. Now, how much lead time do you have? before each episode do you kind of do you get all of your scripts in advance oh sir like what's what's your lead time like about a week wow yeah so some of the scripts come while we're shooting like the script for episode two three might come while we're shooting episode two you might get 10 days of to to prep that one um, sometimes, uh, um, sometimes the scripts come a little bit closer to when you need to start, but it's it's basically a week, a, a little bit more than a week or a week. And you blueprint it and you build it. Well, you have to be smart about it. You have to start with the stuff that you already have. You shoot, you know, you might shoot for a week on sets that you already have, whilst the construction guys are building the new stuff or that the location people are looking for new things. It's a it's a very delicate dance that makes um, assistant directors turn prematurely gray and um, and become very grouchy. So what was your biggest challenge in terms of design? Uh, our biggest challenge was that we were in a warehouse in Vancouver and it was all one giant space. When you're on a, let's say when you're on sound stages at a studio, you might have three or four different stages. They can be shooting in one and you can be building or dressing or lighting in another. Um, but we were all in one space, so uh, it was very difficult. And since we built everything for the show, we rarely went on location. Um, it was a really, it was a very difficult dance to build things while they're, you know, they might say cut, and then we start, and then the saws start going, and uh, and uh, you get very little time to do stuff. So construction people worked at nights and on weekends. So it was a kind of a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week thing for us to get the show kind of um, up and running and stay running. But your your most demanding your most demanding set was there one in particular? Hmm. Um, I guess it was the I guess it was the Summerland set because it was very uh, it was all the rooms had to be super specific and. We had to build it very quickly, and uh, um, and we wanted it to feel very warm and homey, and um, and that kind of layering takes a long time to do, and um, so I guess that was the hardest one. But I don't I don't know that anything was 
particularly hard on the show because it's so much fun. So, you know, when, you, when you're having fun, it doesn't seem hard, I guess. Now, are you, are you working on any films concurrently? Or, you know, when, when Legion ends, do you, do you go into production on, on something else? Uh, we finished in December, and I had a month off or so, and then I went into Atlanta and did a pilot, and I've just gotten back, and I've already started on season two of Legion. So I'm already working on the show. Excellent. Thank you very much for coming in today. Thank you for having me. Of course. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Wiley, production designer of Legion on FX.